Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Cry Baby Lane. No kiss, then Gigi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everyone calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibel. I am also a film critic for uh, Crave Online, and I write for Blumhouse.com and Legion of Leia and uh, every other website on the internet. Actually, it's just those. I just like to say that I contribute a lot uh, elsewhere. Yes. And, uh, and this episode... We have a very special guest. Yes, returning our first returning guest to cancel too soon. And in fact, our only guest. Our no, Alonzo Duralde. Oh yeah, Alonzo Duralde did the Muppets. We keep having guests almost come on the show and then deciding that they're too busy That's to watch all season. And I'm like, what you think we're not? <laughs> but whatever. In any case, Rebecca is so cool. She's come on twice. Rebecca McKendry, editor in chief at Blumhouse.com. You might remember her from a work at Fango, and uh, basically that person who does every horror thing in Los Angeles. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple things I don't do. I she, get like, I get overwhelmed and then I ha- I can't. And yet like, you still she, seem like you do everything. She runs every pumpkin patch. Every, uh, single, every single one. one and all, yeah. Throughout the entire All the haunted LA. houses. I'm actually at Universal Horror Nights right now, jumping out from behind props. So, um, yeah. By locating. It's a very, very <laughs> useful talent. And uh, you brought this, uh, the topic of this episode to us. I did. So um, tell us about Crack yeah, so this, yeah. this is our Halloween month. We're doing oh, all right. horror stuff. And we're doing, uh, we did Dracula series. That's right. We did, and we're doing Halloween specials as well. And we came to Rebecca and we're like, what would you like to do? I'd never even heard of this thing. Yeah, you guys gave me a couple of options. And um, if we're talking about Halloween specials that, like, nobody has heard of or that, you know, Mm. got canceled, um, Crybaby Lane is my immediate go-to because it became the stuff of legend for years. Still is. I mean, I see all of these, like, rumors. There's creepy pastas written about it. (laughs) um, And just all of this wonderful folklore. Um, So Crybaby Lane first aired on Nickelodeon in the year 2000. On October 20th. Yeah, on October 28th. I should mention that I live next to the airport before we start taping. Yeah, it really wasn't that bad when we had you on to talk about uh, Darknet. Darknet, yeah, that's because we tape during the day. If you tape in the evening, uh, it's like rush hour for the planes. so weird. So um, so I apologize (laughs) for the occasional flights. That's fine. Um, Flights of fancy. But yeah, so Crybaby Lane (laughs) premiered on Nickelodeon in 2000. And uh, they had Melissa Joan Hart, who was Clarissa, Clarissa Explains It All. Um, yeah, I remember yeah. back when she explained it. Yeah, so yeah. she did like a little intro yeah, to she, it. She's also Sabrina the Teenage Mother, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. yeah. That was her? Okay. And you might remember her from God's Not Dead too. That's right. Yeah. And Drive Me Crazy, one of the best movies ever made. Yes. She was also in an interesting horror film called Nine Dead, I think. Huh. Um, I thought I saw yeah. the DVD cover for that one. It was working yeah. on Hollywood Video. It's yeah. actually, it's it's one of those like 90s movies, or I'm sorry, I'll call it early 2000s movies, because I think it was like an early 2000s slasher, movie. Slasher um, revival? No, it wasn't a slasher. It's one of those, um, it was definitely part of a 2000s trend where you put a whole bunch of people in a room, don't tell them why they're there, and 
and start killing uh, them until they yeah, figure yeah. out why they're there. Uh-huh. Um, there was a definite like grouping uh-huh. of the, movies. That oh yeah, did I remember, that. like Identity came out around that yeah. time. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, maybe, I did. Maybe Cube. Well, it was late nineties. Yeah, so yeah, Cube was, was definitely it, definitely. I'd say that that's kind of where they were okay. feeding off of. Yeah. But it was kind of that like there's a game afoot, and I'm going to kill one of you. Um, but she was uh, in that, and it wasn't that. But um, okay. anyways, but she so introduced back right? when she was like a teen star on Nickelodeon. She introduced Crybaby Lane. Supposedly, I've never seen the original broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it aired once on October 28th, a couple of days before Halloween. And as rumor goes, Nickelodeon then received so many parental complaints about Crybaby Lane being way too horrible for kids and should never run on a kid's network that they never played it again. Yeah. And it became the stuff of legends where people would pop up on Reddit threads and it became like acid flashbacks where people were like, I remember this like absolutely fucking terrifying TV show that I watched on Nickelodeon when I was a kid and it never aired again, but what the heck was it? It was about sawing Siamese twins in half and this guy who lived in the ground and all of this weird stuff. And eventually somebody pulled out a VHS copy of it and put a copy of it up online and then everybody was like, oh, Crybaby Lane. Well, at the same time, Nickelodeon is like paying attention to all of this scoop and people asking about what happened to Crybaby Lane. So Nickelodeon pulls it out. And they first said that it wasn't banned, that they just forgot about it. But this is like eight years later. Um, but and it's so, possible they had a new regime that simply had never Yeah, heard. I mean, oh, there is. That yeah. does happen in studios. It's, studio execs get, I mean, the turnover rate for studio execs is incredibly rapid. So it's, it's very it's, possible. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, just... I remember but, um, it was unpopular. Yeah. So, yeah. but the, I, when um, Nickelodeon finally re-aired it as part of this, like, weren't the '90s great flashback thing that mm. they did? Yeah. On October thirty first, two thousand eleven. Yeah, two thousand eleven. Nickelodeon the, finally the, re-aired the 90s it. '90s are all that was the title. Which yeah, is '90s weird. are all that, which, which is, is weird because it showed in two thousand. Yeah. Lines. But when they showed it as part of, um, when they showed it in 2011, Nickelodeon called it, like, the band special. Like, they uh-huh. actually, like, marketed <laughs> it as, like, the special we banned. It was that bad. Um, and so there's questions as to whether they really did just forget about it for a decade or if it really was, like, there were so many parental complaints that people pulled it off and the air. And some of the creepypastas that have been written about this have purported the idea that the version that we saw in 2011 isn't the version they originally aired. Yeah, that Which was, maybe had, sub, like, flash frames or, uh, you um, know, weird, creepy imagery hidden in it that got cut out by the yeah, frame. Yeah, there's know? some that, Reddit threads that talk about how there was um, all of, like, somebody recalled these, like, still images. Like, mm-hmm. it would be, like, strobe effects where these mm-hmm. graphics were flashed on the screen and that that stuff was gone from the re-air. Well, and and that actual, the the flash images thing, I'm not sure if the law is still on the books, but that was actually banned back in 1953. Uh, On television or just in general? Because they did it in movies. Well, they did it in movies for a movie called, I think it was called Terror in the Haunted House or some really nondescript title. But it's also, it's in The Exorcist. They did it in Jay. They did it like... This, the, but, you know, Easy Rider, that's the late 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, in the yeah. mid, I think throughout the 50s, these sort of flash frames, what they were selling as sort of subliminal mm-hmm. fright, mm-hmm. Uh, was outright banned. There were laws against it. 
And uh, I'm not sure if the laws changed or if people just stopped caring. No. But yeah, that's sort it's of like putting squirrels thing. down your pants for the purposes of gambling. We just don't enforce that. We law. just yeah. don't. We don't say well, anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, sometimes some of these like laws stay on the books for a long time. Did you know it wasn't until the late '90s that slavery was still legal in certain states? I believe it was yeah. technically uh, never taken off the books in Mississippi. I think it was Louisiana or something. Very yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. But it, yeah, well, it's just, you know, they never got around to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, obviously they weren't doing it, but like, But yeah. so much of um, uh, Crybaby Lane ended up becoming the stuff of legend. Like, I even read one thread online that said that in the original script, um, and we'll get to the plot in a sec, but it yeah. said that in the original script that it wasn't supposed to be that the Siamese twins died of a disease and then were cut in half. It was supposed to be that they killed each other while they were still attached. Well, um, I, and I was like, that's fucked up. The one I read is that actually they had been like left alone and they cannibalized each other. Oh, Which wow. is really, really cool. And it's kind of cool to see, like, once you take something away... Once something becomes unavailable, it becomes so much more fascinating. Yeah. Like, if Roger well, Corman's Fantastic Four movie had just been released, it would just be that one lame Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Now it's now kind of seen it. cute. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of well, precious in a way. I, I was actually going to bring this up. It's the, you know, the internet, which has turned this into a legend, because before the internet, that was everything. Yeah. You saw it once on TV. If you didn't tape it, it was gone. It was yeah. gone, yeah. Um, and and uh, later on in the month, we'll be talking about one of such special, which was never released on any form of home video in, in well, the U.S., and it's kind of forgotten. My, my As fiance, a result, yeah. and, uh, since it's forgotten now, you can start using the internet to build up its myth. Mm-hmm. And since so much is available on the internet, when something is not available, you have to wonder why it's not available. Yeah, exactly. And it, lo- it allows you to come up with these legends. Once yeah. it's available, there's no myth anymore. Well, yeah. uh, my um, fiance wrote an article for Blumhouse not too long ago about, about a short Spanish film. film. A Spanish yeah. short film. I believe it's called The Telephone Booth or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a short film about a guy who gets locked in a telephone booth and just no one is able to pry him out. And then they load him onto a back of a truck and then he keeps going further out of town and he doesn't know what happens to him. I'm not going to read the Yeah because it's awesome but it's crazy as a short film because it starts out comedic where it's like this like weird looking um, like he's very standard um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's got gaunt features and it's just this like guy in a suit stuck in a telephone booth but then after a while it's like there's one point where it really starts to get terrifying and you realize that this is it's not just this comedic thing and then it gets really fucking scary and you're like (laughs) I was not expecting this telephone booth it's really really crazy but what's kind of what's interesting about it was it was a short film that Michelle had seen in some DVD set somewhere she just thought it was cool and no one talked about it but as we researched it a little bit we found out it aired only once on British television like really late at night in like the 1970s mm-hmm. and there's a whole generation of kids who saw it and never knew if it was real because yeah. they missed the beginning they didn't know what it was called yeah, there yeah. was no internet movie database to look things up they never aired it again and it's just this horrible nightmare that a whole bunch of people had and are just sort of finding solace on IMDb review board saying I'm not alone someone yeah. else has seen this thing what is this thing I had one of those for the longest time and it was a short film that I had seen on HBO and I watched a lot of short films on HBO because yeah. HBO back in the 80s they used to play short films in between movies. Yeah, they were starving for content. They put anything yeah. up they could find. So like if something, you know, the movie didn't run a full two hours, they would mm-hmm. fill in with these like little shorts. And they kept um, doing that up until the 90s. I remember seeing a few in the late 90s. Yeah, because I remember seeing one called Slow Mo in the 90s that they mm-hmm. played over and over, which was about people who are inflicted with a disease that makes them move slower than huh. everybody else. And it was really cool the way that it was filmed because you would see all these people moving fast and then one person in the middle moving in slow 
motion. And it cool. was it was an amazing short. But the one that haunted me for years was about this man. Um, and I think it's actually called the editor. And he was like given a job to come edit film stock. And he gets there, and the film eats him alive. And so it's done in stop motion where the actual film strips. And it haunted oh, me gosh, for what? years where, like, I had seen this, and I, I knew I work I with 35-millimeter film these days. So and it's where the, great, yeah. it forms, like, a giant blob and consumes him. I wonder, and if, uh, I wonder I, if they saw that before they did Hannibal Season 3, because there's a scene like oh, that the Red true. Dragon. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had seen this, and it haunted me for years. And then one day I was at one of the 35 millimeter um, fest that they used to do at Jump Cut yeah. and Mike Williamson showed it and I was like Mike this was like a festering sore in my brain for the longest time nice. so thank you for finally I finding it I have one of those if anyone knows the loca- what the hell I don't even know what it's called uh, but it was a short film about a post-apocalyptic future in which everyone is horrible civilization has collapsed everyone kills each other for food mm-hmm. and it's about this punk kid who goes to the video arcade but instead of going to a video arcade to shoot people you go to a video arcade and all the video games are about being nice nah. and he's playing the game and it becomes kind of like the last starfighter everyone's going oh my god he's being nicer than anybody it's incredible and then at the end he's about to like fight the final boss or do whatever he's about to do video game wise and then it like malfunctions and it won't take his quarter and everyone's like looking at him like oh this is the most horrible thing ever and he's about to explode in fury and then he says never mind I guess I'll just play again tomorrow. And then he wins the game. Nice. And it was really weird and kind of Mm -hmm. awesome. And I thought it was a Monty Python routine for a long time. It's a short film. I have no idea what it is. If anyone knows what that is, B Movies Podcast, all one word at Gmail. (laughs) Please tell me. I would kill to find that out. I I found out mine. Oh, yeah? When I was a kid, I watched a lot of public TV. Mm. Uh, We didn't have cable. We had UHF stations. You know, that sec- yeah. secondary dial on your black and white TV that had like 50 stations on it that no- only the brave would go <laughs> trekking through there. No one ventured down there. Uh, well, well, we all ventured down there, thank you. Very we much. we, we did. We, we loved going through the UHF stations. That's where you find all the foreign language stations. And we loved seeing TV commercials in Spanish because we, we understood the brand name, but none of the other words. And that was hilarious to us. And this is where I discovered a... You know, obscure Japanese cartoons like Trends or Z. That was a big, uh, a big staple of my childhood. But they would also show like old monster movies and and uh, luchador films on these stations. And I remember running aground on the, the climax of a monster film, and it was a giant squid monster in a in a massive cave sitting on this big throne. And there was a, a line of people standing in front of it, like worshippers, I suppose. It raised a tentacle, pointed its tentacle at one of the people. Its head would, the person's head would pop off into the air, and out of its <laughs> neck would spring more tentacles. He was turning each one through this sort of magical method into additional squid monsters. And this was live action. This was live action. Awesome. And they would eventually escape out into the world. I saw this one, maybe I was in the third grade. And I talked to my friends about this. Hey, did you see this thing with the squid monster? Anybody? Do you know what it is? The UHF stations? Like, we have cable. We don't, we don't need UHF <laughs> stations. Like, fine. Apparently you're missing out. Fine, you go watch Pinwheel. And, uh, <laughs> I love Pinwheel. <laughs> I was watching Calliope. Calliope. Yeah, Calliope Eureka's and Pinwheel. Castle. And you can't do that on television. I'm yeah. watching this bonkers-ass monster film on UHF TV. And uh, years later... In fact, only about two years ago did I run aground on a, VA, uh, a DVD cover with that monster on it. And uh, it actually, it's one of the Gamera films, it turns out. One of the oh. later ones that they didn't do on Mystery Science Theater. Oh. Uh, it was called Gamera vs. Virus. And uh, 
Was it's, that virus? That was vir- vir- VRRAS. And uh, it was released in the States as uh, Destroy All Planets. Ah. So uh, yeah. I saw a clip of Destroy All Planets on TV when I was a kid, and it haunted me throughout my life until no. I eventually wow. found out what it is. Not for nothing, if anyone hasn't seen Inframan since they were five, it holds up so well. Oh, Inframan is great. <laughs> Inframan is fucking insane. Um, so what I think is kind of interesting is that we're all, we're all 28. We're all 28 we're years all 28 old. We're all 28 years okay. old. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we missed the zeitgeist for crybaby land. Like, it wasn't like our generation. No, no. So, this definitely was not something that I was tuning into yeah, watching. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that there's already this sort of legend about something for something that's only in like the last 16 years. This movie isn't old enough to drink. But well, this it's, was, it's really weird at how this sort of thing is happening for something that was around when the internet was already around. Because yeah. the internet began, you know, in, in the mid to late 90s and everybody started documenting everything and mm-hmm. writing articles about everything and coming up with all this obscure stuff. And you'll notice sort of the way the film climate is now all of the throwback stuff is all throwback stuff to exactly before the internet really hit it's all well 80s 90s even up to 2000 Mm -hmm. but there's no nostalgia for stuff for anything that came out since the internet began because it's all documented we don't have we don't need nostalgia for that because it never leaves and I, f- I found it really curious that something that aired as late as 2000... I was watching this, I thought, well, this must be like 94. Mm-hmm. But and it if, does feel more 90s. Than it, it feels, feels, it like feels incredibly kids. 90s. Uh, well, and it was directed by a guy who did an episode of Pete. In fact, Pete. most of the people who worked on the movie worked on the other <laughs> movie, actually. But yeah, it's, it's curious that this is the thing that should vanish when it was in an era when streaming technology was starting up. YouTube uh, was just a few years away, and... Yet it was pushed aside. It was sort of forgotten. It hit that sweet spot uh, before everything was being documented, but uh, after everything was lost. And the way that I stumbled on this was definitely from a millennial. One of our Blumhouse.com writers, BJ um, Colangelo, um, who... uh, kind of keeps me up but I'll say some some modern stuff um, she definitely a couple of years ago when we were talking about our favorite Halloween specials mm-hmm. I was kind of doing flashbacks to some of the ones that I loved from the 80s um, she was like oh my god have you seen Crybaby Lane and I was like no what is Crybaby Lane and then as soon as and I'm just like everybody else where as soon as she was like it's the band Nickelodeon special I was like I'm gonna watch me that sucker <laughs> and I did well, what, so, why don't yeah. we actually talk about the damn yeah. special itself yeah. So, well, now that we've built up the myth, we so, can talk about the show. Cry Baby Lane uh, was uh, it was an hour and a half with commercials. So it's about an hour and ten minutes so it's, without them. Yeah, it's a brisk movie. So it's it's a, a, a movie. Yeah, it's a feature uh, length. Frank Langella uh, plays a mortician who likes to tell ghost stories to our two main protagonists. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, Andrew and Carl. And Andrew 16 and, Carl. and 12. He's like 12. Yeah. He's like 12. He's, he's definitely like he, he's middle a, school. And he's then, of the age to just start having sexual anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and Which is huge in this special. That's kind of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he tells a ghost story about uh, these two conjoined twins mm. who used to live in the area. And one of the twins they decide was good and one was evil and they shared a liver. Because they were like, mm. like Ching and Ang. They were attached at the the gut, and uh, it, according to the story, the father decide uh, they died. They got sick. They got sick yeah. and died, and uh, it, liver problems. So they died at the same time. They decided to saw them in half, 
bury the good one in a cemetery and bury the bad one in a shallow grave in the woods. On on Crybaby Lake. On on Crybaby Lake. And if you go there late at night, you can still hear the the kid Mm. crying. But what is interesting is that the movie opens really cold. It's just the title, Mm. and then black and white, still images, like the fucking begotten. And (laughs) and then it's it's just Frank Langella, who's got this really creepy, kind of almost Christopher Lee-esque voice, Mm -hmm. and he's telling the story, yes, and there were two twins. And then it just, they started hitting you real hard, and the father... They saw them in half. The father carved them in half after they were dead. And I'm just like, what in the fuck? At first, I'm like, if the whole movie is this insane, I totally get why it was bad. (laughs) But it's not. But there's nothing explicit. There's no gore. It's just about sawing people in half. Yeah, it's it's a brutal story. It's a a brutal story. Interesting note. I think, though, you know, Nickelodeon's audience skews older. This is not for Mm -hmm. six-year-olds. It's for, like, 11-year-olds. And 11-year-olds can handle that. And I think that they showed this at, like, 8 o'clock at night. It was a nighttime. I I think it was definitely a nighttime airing. So I think you would be expecting that, like... And I remember um, reading that the whole kind of conception behind the production was that they wanted it to be a feature length mm-hmm. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Okay. And I mean they definitely tackled things this dark on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, I mean some of the episodes Are You Afraid of the Dark definitely did skew towards me like I watched that when I was in high school even what though were I, the years on that cuz early 90s early 90s like 92 yeah. 93 somewhere Yeah like that one yeah. I watched religiously and um loved it so. I got one episode into it and the big twist was that the main character was in a pinball machine and I was yeah. like that's dumb I'm not watching oh. I was watching Tales from the Crypt already I Yeah I it was, it was definitely like my horror light because yeah. it was on right when I got home from school so I always watched it right when I got home from school and then saved the scary stuff for late at night. But they, they kind of, when um, they started the production it was as, you know, we want it to be a feature length Are You Afraid of the Dark? And they definitely were did. They, were they going to brand I'm it? Or was that just have no, I think that they were okay. just trying to hit that demographic. Okay, okay. Where is the Are You Are You Afraid of the Dark movie? That's a good question. Because you know it doesn't have to be expensive. Where is that like just a PG thirteen creepy story using that it's, title? Well, parents would take their kids. To here's that. the weird thing we talk More about. We talk about how this might not have been appropriate. Rebecca's for kids, writing but, that down. But these I am days, writing that down. <laughs> Rebecca's days, pitching that next week. I will see. <laughs> I want a character named after me. Okay, done. I, I just want to get uh, Richard Elfman on the Bone Chillers feature film, but. Yeah. Uh, Nobody remembers Bone Chillers. We've had requests for Bone Chillers. Have we? For Cancel Too Soon, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, we yeah. might, be, might do Bone Chiller. We could get Richard Elfman back. I'm sure he'd be I'm happy sure to be talk happy. about yeah, it. Yeah, he's cool. But, uh, um, but, yeah, but no, so, we were talking about how... Wait, she had a chip. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this was definitely supposed to kind of hit that demographic. And the demographic of Are You Afraid of the Dark was definitely... It skewed a bit older. Um, it was definitely, I'll say, like late middle school, early high school mm. age range. But Are You Afraid of the Dark had been off the air for a while, and I... Yeah. I think Nickelodeon had started rebranding itself. I kept remembering hearing stories about this was around the time when Invader Zim was on. Mm. And Invader Zim, which is awesome. Yeah, that is a delightfully sick program. Yeah, there's an episode of Invader Zim that is all about the protagonist stealing kids' organs, and he's so full of organs they start flopping out of his mouth. Uh And Nickelodeon apparently hated that show and really wanted it off the air, but it was doing well enough that they couldn't. That was like Hot Topic fuel, like yeah. oh, everything yeah. at Hot Topic. Yeah. My, my favorite Zim. line from from Invader Zim: the character licks himself, says, "Wait a minute, I'm delicious." Yes, taste me, I'm delicious. <laughs> um, but I just think that like Nickelodeon was trying to kind of shy away from exactly how dark that was, and I can appreciate why. I bet there wasn't a kid in the world who was upset about that film. Yeah, but I bet there were parents watching it with their kids who thought, "I can't trust my kid to." watch Nickelodeon without supervision anymore. And it actually does. Um, Going back to the plot, 
I mean, we just did kind of the backstory of it. Yeah. Um, but it does get weirder from that point. Well, Not scarier exactly, but, but weirder. It, it, it's, it's weird and it doesn't deal with the sort of fears you think about when you think about sort of kids horror with goosebumps monsters. And yeah. It's, it's more about, first of all, this ghost story, but the ghost story just lingers. It's more about this young boy and how the story becomes sort of the catalyst to unlocking all of his youthful fears about talking to girls, about relating to his older brother, mm. and kind of about just life in general. Yeah. And it feels very Stephen King after a while. So continuing uh, on with the plot. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the backstory set up by Franklin Jella that there was this whole kind of... Um, mm farmer who sawed his kids in half and buried one in the good cemetery and one in the bad section of crybaby lane um fast forward this 12 year old his 16 year old brother and a whole bunch of girls that they apparently have crushes on Mm -hmm. decide to have a seance on a tombstone in the cemetery randomly chosen but wouldn't you know it yeah (laughs) and wouldn't you know it it's the tombstone of the one that was buried in the cemetery And while there, they rip a root out of the ground, some Mm -hmm. weed. And by ripping this root out of the ground, they let loose the spirit. But oops, there was a mix-up and the farmer accidentally buried the bad one in the cemetery and the good one out on Crybaby Lane. Which is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you think about it. There's two things I like about that. There's this whole myth, which I'd never heard before. About the idea of when you're buried, a root grows through like where your heart used to be, and that root keeps your soul planted in the ground. Mm. And that's kind of neat. Yeah. That's kind of evocative. It's it's pretty. I like it. I like it a lot. And if you rip that out, the soul gets free. That's new, and that's kind of neat. That makes a little, that sounds like an old myth. Mm. So I buy it. Uh, but just the, uh, the the excuse they have for how the mix-up happened is great. Because Frank Langella isn't just playing a, a, an, an, an undertaker. He's playing a terrible undertaker, yep. and he knows he's a terrible undertaker. <laughs> and it turns out he was the one who sawed the kids in half, and he's the one who screwed up about where they were buried. Yep. And he just admits it. I'm a terrible undertaker. I don't know what I'm doing. I, he keeps, like, basically, like... He keeps interacting with these kids in ways that make their parents uncomfortable. Yeah. He shows up to their house when he finds out like there's there's this ghost free and he needs to talk to the kids about what they did to release the ghost. Yeah. And the mom who is very skeptical of this old man. The mom who's hanging out with great, their kids. The She's really yeah. cool. we'll the actress about, who plays the We'll mom, talk about yeah. the parents in a second but like she just goes up and says I don't want you hanging out around my kids. What do you want to talk to them for? And he's just like I'd rather keep that a secret. What? Yeah. He's terrible. Interesting note. Um, they originally wanted Tom Waits to yeah. play I, yeah, yeah. The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, and Dave and I were both like, that would have been brilliant. I, well, it, and it would have made, I think it would have made the whole thing scarier. Frank, yeah. Frank Langella brings also a, little bit of, a little bit of class. Yeah, this, he feels this, like. This old like, fashioned. Well, he's uh, really uh, refined. Funny. Yeah, he's really funny. Is, also, the fact that he's here, he, he's, the, he's the classy actor classing up the joint. And it, he's just playing it just down and up. Mm. On like a kid level, which is actually totally tonally un- appropriate. Appropriate, yeah. but if someone wasn't be- being appropriate, this movie would have been ten times better. Well, yeah, which is it's ironic. Tom, he's great. Tom Waits, really who's, great. who's you know he's been in a lot of films, but I don't think you would call himself an actor. Yeah, and no. he would just be Tom Waits, who is essentially like the drunk Satan that you always picture. Yeah. 
I don't know. What's that old quote from Tom Waits? There ain't no devil, it's just God when he drinks. (laughs) I I think, didn't Terry Gilliam want to cast Tom Waits as the devil and the defective detective? My husband would be the appropriate person to ask about that. He ended up playing the devil in uh, The Imaginary of Dr. Parnassus. You're right, he did. Yeah, Yeah, that's fun. Um, But the plot, okay, so then they unleash one of the the twins. The Mm -hmm. evil spirit comes Mm -hmm. back and it's like haunting them. But it possesses the town, and so... Everyone in the town is kind of an asshole to begin with. Like, this is not a nice town. Yeah, people um, are jerks. Like, there's the guy who just randomly sets his boat on fire, and then there's that guy who's, like, refusing to pay the undertaker mm-hmm. be- for sandwiches. And so it's they just kind of, like, everyone in this town is an asshole to begin with. But time, then, time is out of joint. Yeah. Say. And then after the evil spirit starts possessing people, they get really, really mean. Or specifically, yeah. it possesses, well, his older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this roving gang of teenage girls yeah. um, who become kind of the biggest villain of the movie is this roving gang of yeah. teenage girls. Everyone gets a little more evil. It's like we just cut right to the end of Needful Things. We mm-hmm. go from the first scene of Needful and Things right to the end of Needful Things in like five minutes. It's really yeah. weird. But yeah, there's this roving gang of girls and I appreciate because the kid's like really nervous about talking to girls. Mm-hmm. He's obviously has a crush on girls right now and he's nervous. And then they just get really aggressive and there's this scene where they're in a cornfield which is Gotta be an on-the-nose reference. Uh, and they, they say, we'll, we'll let you go. We'll let you, we won't kill you or whatever uh, if you kiss this girl who has a crush on you. And he won't do it. And a part of me, and I think you're supposed to think he's afraid, and I'm just like, no, he's just not a date rapist. She's yeah. Not her, he's not in her right mind. This well, isn't appropriate. Yeah. No, the, the, this, is, this is so accurate to the world of, maybe maybe my world when I was 12 years old. Just the, the, these were your anxieties. These, yeah, the fears yeah. and the anxieties you have, and you know, there's the, the, the streaking and the the your fear of girls. And oh, there's a scene where he gets caught in public with his in just his underwear. Yeah, 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 like, but it's all because of the girls, like yeah, his the, older brother, who's, so, so who's being, possessed, being teased and being yeah. bullied, and finding no solace from any adults in this world, and even the mm-hmm. one who's like your friend is kind of a screw up. Uh, that, that's that's what it is to be 12. Yeah. Well, uh, may, maybe I was just particularly miserable when I was 12, but I think when you're 12, the type of anxieties you have mm-hmm. are probably the most intense. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you don't have any sort of real-world responsibilities yet. Everything rests on what these girls are saying about you and how yeah. you have... You're no longer a kid, so you're interested in entering the adult world, but the adults you're, still see you as a kid, so they have no... You're not a boy, so not yet a man. Exactly. Yeah, and... I, there are two kinds of kids movies and in this Mill You, I think, though. Mill You, I just said it again. You said it again. Damn it. Oh, someone take a drink. Okay. We're, but there's two types we, of... We say Mill You a lot. We're trying to break all ourselves all of, our, all of our listeners are noticing it's weird. <laughs> just did it again! Damn it! Uh, but there's, it, was, it was an example. There's two kinds of kids movies uh, in which adults are no help whatsoever. There's the sort of empowering, sort of Goonies kind, which is oh, about how, yeah, we're strong. We're the, we're we're the only ones who can yeah, stop we're this. Only yeah. than the we get it, and the adults don't believe yeah, us. Yeah, which is kind of cool. That sort of Monster Squad thing. It feels really awesome when you're a kid, and you feel like maybe you can handle horrible things. And then there's, and then there's Fright Night. And then yeah. there's, well, Fright Night's more teenagers. I'm thinking more stuff. Like I was, We just had Don Coscarelli on the, on the podcast oh, yeah. for an hour and a half talking about the Phantasm movies, and we talked mm-hmm. about... Um, he's, one of his key influences was the original Invaders from Mars, which is a horrible nightmare about a little kid who no one believes when he says Martians are taking over the town. And that's an anxiety you have as a child. No one will believe you because you're, oh, you're just an imaginative yeah. youngster. You, you, you have you know? no credibility yet. Yeah. Private Lane is right in the middle. 
Whereas yeah. sometimes it seems like it's supposed to be empowering. Like he's gonna find his strength mm-hmm. and like you know do all these cool things. But it's also always kind of exploiting those for for scares. And it feels like a little like it just doesn't know if it's supposed to be scary or positive or what. Oh, yeah. I got, I it's got kind of odd. Maybe I was just too. I was stressed the hell out while watching this. I gotta say, and, beforehand and, or just the movie made you. No, the movie out. stressed me out. Okay. I, I, I didn't see Poor any. Thing. I didn't see any positivity in it. Okay? I didn't see this as an empowering fantasy. I saw this as a very deep exploration as to what goes on in the mind of the 12-year-old, and I think that would be something to object to more than stories of livers being cut out or Mm -hmm. the scary, bad special effect, glowing white eyes thing. It's just thematically, it's too tough for little kids, especially if you're not 12 yet. You know when you're like 8 or 9 and you really, really want to be older at that age and you want to be in high school and this is a film that's saying, well, you got to go through junior high first, and junior high is the worst thing ever. Yeah. And here's exactly why. Nobody believes you, nobody likes you, nobody's going to stand up for you, and you don't have the power to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just an anxiety fantasy. And then there's catharsis at the end, kind of. Are you okay? <laughs> Aw, Whitney, do you need a hug? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, you, you had me watch this. It's good, it, but, you know, this felt like, you know, kid, kid, kid Von Trier for a we second. Were, we were going to yeah. do Witch's Night Out, and then this destroyed you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I should have gone Witch's Night Out. Man. Halloween. No. Which is, and I think this speaks more to sort of it being, quote, banned. Yeah. I don't think it was banned. I think because of thematic reasons, it just didn't have a, a market. It didn't have an audience. Yeah, There's nothing they could sell this they to. Could, they couldn't yeah. do anything with it. So they, and, it, and it's not that they actively buried it or tried to ban it. It's just we don't know what to do with this thing. Just put it on a shelf. And it definitely gets weirder even at mm. the end because as this, um, well, and the, yeah, then at the, the end. evil spirit is like possessing everybody. But then at one point he pulls. Um, our protagonist, the 12-year-old, underground, but it's yeah. no longer an evil baby. He's now like an evil, like, 25-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And um, he's, like, eating worms and, like, pulled frames out of it, so he's really got these herky-jerky movements, and it's Yeah, creepy. it's creepy. I mean, he's yeah. just, like, it's it's like this very jerky creature living underground eating worms, yeah. and it's frightening. And they keep trying to diffuse the, the scares with humor, and sometimes it's very funny. And sometimes it's just weird. Yeah. Like there's this uh, Frank Langella has uh, an assistant named Kenneth, uh, who is clearly supposed to be a stoner, but they can't show it, so he just seems yeah. like he's out of it all the he time. He just seems to be confused yeah. and dimwitted, and yeah. yeah, and he's hilarious. Like there's this part where like Frank Langella gets knocked out by the kid who thinks he's a hobbit, and uh, Kenneth to wake him up just punches him Frank Langella in the stomach. An unconscious, frankly, down the stomach. Everything's like, just don't do that. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, and Jim Gaffigan's in this. That's kind of one of the most surprising parts. The guy that I was talking about before, who is angry at poor funeral director Frank Langella because he wouldn't doesn't want to pay for sandwiches at his yeah, mother's that, wake. That was Jim, uh, oh, that that's was Jim, Jim Gaffigan. Gaffigan. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't recognize yeah, him. Well, right. no, I don't think anyone really knew who Jim Gaffigan was. No, I think like, he was well, kind of sure, you, you might have seen his stand up, but he wasn't famous. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's sort of like that uh, one Elliot Gould, uh, uh, Terrence, is it Terrence Stamp in that movie where Elliot Gould's the bank teller um, and uh, he robs the bank robber? Oh, and like John Candy is in it as like his first role as like this tragic dramatic yeah, yeah, figure yeah. who marries the wrong woman. <laughs> yeah. And you're just watching him like John Candy's in this for like two scenes. What's going on? Wow, it's weird. Super weird. It's not quite that weird in, in this because Jim Gaffigan's just there to be a jerk and then he leaves. Yeah, that's it. Is Jim yeah. Gaffigan plays guy who's angry about sandwiches and I, then he's out. I like the scenes with adults when they're alone. 
is kind of interesting because you see like Franklin Gallaud, he's like ripping people off by like reusing coffins, which is, I, I saw Six Feet Under, that's crazy illegal, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do that. But uh, also he has like, a, he has like the, gra- uh, the grave digger um, likes to dress up as a cowboy and listen to country songs about computers. But pretends to be drunk or sick yeah. and drinks all the time. It yeah. was very weird. And then you see the kid's parents, the mom who's like super overprotective and is clearly giving this kid a complex. But then the dad who seems kind of cool, but he's got something weird, rich inner life going where like they're watching TV. She gets up to check on the kids. He changes it to monster trucks mm. so, and that, so that she can hear it when she leaves. And then when we cut back to him, he's changed the channel again so we can watch like a high fashion Paris show. And when yeah. she comes back, he turns the monster trucks back on so yeah. that she thinks he's more macho. Mm. It's bizarre. What an interesting There's such gentleman. weird subtext it's, there. Well, I, I suppose I, I could have sworn I've seen a gag like that on Married with Children, though. Well, but, yeah, mm. but it's like, it, it, but I think it's also rather smart because the, the older son is very obsessed with what masculine. Mm-hmm. And what macho is and what you're not supposed to be and what you're supposed to be and here's the dad sort of quietly enforcing that because this is just what's expected of him as a man he also has the best speech in the movie outside of the beginning story because he has this thing where uh, the mom's like the kids are gone we have to go oh, find them oh that speech is great oh, he's hilarious he just says honey they're boys. Yeah, let, they're, they're, just let them go. They're gonna yeah. go. They're gonna go out. They're gonna explore. I can, I can either drive around and not find them, yeah. or I can I'm just gonna, stay here. No, but what he says is is just like if there was a boogeyman out there, that would be one thing. Ha 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 ha. But what's gonna happen? I'm gonna go out there in the middle of the night. I'm gonna fall asleep behind the wheel, and I'm gonna die. And you're gonna be responsible. Do you want to be responsible for that? <laughs> no. Then I'm gonna stay inside and watch TV. And I'm just like wow. <laughs> I don't know if he's an asshole or wise. Like yeah. I don't know. It's one or the other or both. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. He's fascinating. So yeah, the, the whole town is just kind of bizarre for me. Yeah. Um, well, that's why it feels like Pete and Pete. Yeah. Just this pervasive quirkiness. And it definitely has. I mean, like they try to well, give did, it this like Midwest small town rural yeah. feel where did, it's like. Did it feel like a? Maybe it was just the quality of the video I saw, but everything was really dreary. Yeah. It's, it's shot in this really sort of gray Pacific Northwest. I thought it was sort of like. I think it's shot around New Jersey, too. Yeah, it was actually shot in New Jersey with some in Ohio. But with the Mm cornfields and the Main Street America, I Mm. was assuming that it was supposed to be, like, Nebraska. Um, But yet the guys own a boat, which they set on fire for no reason. No reason. That was the weirdest scene. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe there was a scene that was missing, but they had to use the scene where they set a boat on fire. Because we paid to set a boat on fire. We paid for the boat on fire. We're going to show the boat on fire. We don't have time for the scene that explains it. When our protagonist is stripped naked by the girls... Um, he is running through the town trying to get home and so he ducks behind this kind of like they play him as kind of rednecky house where all these guys are sitting on the back porch drinking and he hides behind their boat and then one of them's like let's light that thing on fire and throws a match at it and it goes up in flames and then he has to keep running and it's like why'd you set your boat on fire man Boy, that guy's gonna be really embarrassed in the morning Yeah, it made perfect sense to me I, I, it made sense I can't to you? say yeah that, 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 that they should burn well He's naked. He's running through the town. I've had ni- you've had nightmares like that, right? Where you're sort of naked in public, burning boats. I get it. Well, maybe maybe not burning <laughs> boats, but you know, <laughs> ev- everything you hide behind vanishes somehow, or it's wheeled away. You know, something to expose oh, you. Okay. And this is yeah, this is like this big flaming boat. All of a sudden, it was just weird, confusing. Why you know he could hide behind a car and then the car drives mm-hmm. away, but a burning boat. Like I want to talk to the screenwriter who was like, it's seemed natural to me. It feels like it didn't build enough. Like I've seen Buster routines like this where he's like running from the cops and he hides behind a thing but it turns out that thing was actually mobile and he didn't know it. Yeah, but it's that's kinda, like a it's common thing. Build to the boat. 
road. You gotta yeah. do that like five times and the boat is like Batman not being able to get rid of a bomb. It's just like, <laughs> it's that ridiculous. I, I was reminded of, a, of, and this is where I was coming from, an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, nice. Uh, where, uh, <laughs> where the character of Hampton, the pig, uh, was goaded into going skinny dipping. Oh, clothes, I remember that. And his clothes, yeah. were, and his clothes were stolen, and, and he had to run home naked. And the whole episode was about him trying to hide, and the thing was always being taken away. And uh, at one point, he hid behind something, but behind him was a tour bus. And, oh, and, yeah. and they drove by. And, and on your left, you'll see a naked yeah, pig. Yeah, to your left is a naked pig. And that's all I could think during that whole sequence was, like, a tour bus is going to drop by, go by this guy, but in a nightmare sort of fashion. Yeah. It's going to be all these Hampton. sort of soulless people staring at this Hampton boy. How do you feel about Chi-Chi? I was confused by the whole Chi-Chi thing. So, we didn't really that, talk about is it. Is that sex? It's, no. It, it sounds like Snoo Snoo in Futurama. It sounds like Snoo Snoo. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused. I never thought I'd die like this, but I always hoped. Yeah, but then, you know, it's these 12-year-old <laughs> girls who are threatening it. Mm. Um, so, I couldn't tell exactly what Chi-Chi was supposed to be, but it I sounded it's like... Girl. It's, oh, Chi-Chi, oh, Chi-Chi, yeah, was the big girl. Yeah, so basically, that scene we were talking about where we'll let you go uh, if you, you kiss, kiss her. You kiss her, but if no kiss, Chi-Chi. Yeah, if, yeah, no kiss, then Chi-Chi. If you don't kiss her, then you're going to have to deal with Chi-Chi. And Chi-Chi sounds either sexual or weirdly violent, like in some kind like, of Wicker Man. I thought, way. yeah, that's what I thought it was like. It's like, we're going to call the Slender Man on you yeah, if you don't make out with us. And but what they then call this, just, like... It's like a tomboy shows she's, up and punches him. She's just very tall and muscular. Like, yeah. just puberty hit her like a ton of bricks. She's like a foot taller than every other girl there. She's obviously still young. Uh, but she's just there. She's just kind of trunch bully. And like, but like, I don't know what the joke is. Is the joke that she's managed? Because for all we know, that's his type. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's, she seems fine. Yeah. Like, she doesn't really seem the. Is it like, is she their enforcer? I was, is she the one who's just going to kill everybody? Because then we see her at the end yeah. and she seems really. It was really she seems fine at the end. Well, what's interesting yeah. is as, it was, as, it was, as, it was, as everyone, everyone sort of staggering and like, well, what last night? It's so weird. Like, one of the girls sees Chi Chi and just gives her a huge hug. Like, we were really worried about you, Chi Chi. You're the best of all of us. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what is. Who is. The and story Chi-Chi, of Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi has not been in the movie up to this point. Never met her she before. does not or show she'll... up until No Kiss Chi-Chi. No Kiss Then Chi-Chi. No Kiss Then Chi-Chi. And you're just like, what's Chi-Chi? And I then thought, this... I don't know if I'm like, supposed to be offended. You know what? I, think, I, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's like, a bad joke yeah. or is it offensive? I don't Ma- even know. Maybe yeah. it's just because I'm not observant. I didn't think Chi-Chi was the name of the character. I thought Chi-Chi was some sort of sex slang that this girl was going to inflict on him. Yeah, it was, it was some sort of really weird, bizarre like, scene. No, no kiss, then Chi-Chi, and you know, if, okay, well, I'm not going to kiss her. Well, in that case, Chi-Chi is essentially going to rape you in this corner. Yeah, but the like, irony is that after the fact, he, he was the only one on his right mind, so he's the one who's getting in trouble. Yeah. God, what a 21st century nightmare that is. Yeah. Like, specifically, like, that's such a weird, woke <laughs> thing or something. I don't even know what it is. It's writing, I'm don't, writing don't, this down, guys. I'm pitching no, it. The no, story of Chi-Chi. <laughs> You, didn't, you can leave it. me out of that one. No, nope, no. Nope. Oh, Main okay. character ah, is named Bibiani. Damn it, that's fine. I'll write it. I'll do okay. it. Yeah, I'll Whitney's it. in. Okay. The story of Chi-Chi. That's fine. <laughs> um, are we leaving anything out? For uh, well, to be like, it's, it's really not that complicated you know, a, a movie. See, it well, isn't. and then, then at the end, they have to pull the root out of the heart of the good twin out on mm-hmm. Crybaby Lane, and uh, and I thought there'd be more of a fight between them, but it just cures everything. Yeah, it, sort it just kind of fixes out. everything. Yeah, I love that the good one showed up and they had a talk. Like this, at the end of shock not, treatment, yeah. they have a musical number. You're a loser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. No, this this is wasn't pointing toward a fight. There were there was too much emotionally going on. This was not about and they kind of needed climax to... or action. It was yeah. just they needed a much much more emotional catharsis. So yeah, it made sense that it was this sort of symbolic thing. They and they kind of needed to wrap it quickly because they spent most of the movie really exploiting this guy's sexual anxiety in mm-hmm. various ways. Um, with these little set pieces where, like, oh. the girls laugh at him mm-hmm. while he's stripped down naked, and then, you know, the whole Chi-Chi scene. And, so yeah, it's got to so end with really... him pulling a root really hard and a fade to white. Yeah. We were talking about how his brother was sort of a symbol of masculinity, and this is about two brothers that yeah. he's sort of bringing together. He's sort of severing the connection to his brother. Ooh, you just took this uh, other level. Yeah. This just went next level with having, you. Having had <laughs> well, it's what I do. Having um, had a significantly older brother, I can say Crybaby Lane does get it. It's mm. j- exactly that kind of abusive. That's sort of just... Yeah, I'm I'm his punching bag until I'm as tall as he is, wow. or, he, or he leaves. You, you love each That's other, but you don't like each other. No, you yeah. don't really love each other that much. But <laughs> you're, just sort of, you're just stuck together, and you realize you got to make it work. It's like it's more like having like a like being stuck in a prison cell with somebody. You're just mm-hmm. like, well, this is it. Yeah. What's your name? Like that's kind of what it's like. That was my history of yeah, having brother. You're, anyway, you're you're the bully here. We just we, yeah. we just have I'll to say fine. it up. Front. I'll tell I'll tell mom and dad I fell down the steps. That's no, the, the rule. Just this the, the way he could cure his sexual anxiety was essentially by admitting that he wasn't masculine. Yeah, that, that was the only thing he could say. Hmm. And I definitely think that the um, reputation of Crybaby Lane precedes it and definitely overshadows it. Oh, there's and no then way when I, live up to yeah, that. when I finally no saw it, I was like. Oh, this isn't that bad. It's weird, and it's got some creepy moments, but, like, looking back at the things that I watched during my childhood, it's no more shocking than, like, Watcher in the Woods no. or Worst Witch or, you know, the Garfield Christmas special with those yeah. fucking pirates in the cabinet. Really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think... Like Garfield in disguise. That's terrific. Oh, my God, no. When those pirate ghosts <laughs> come into the cabinet at the end. But oh. you know what's even scarier than that? The old man telling the story. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's terrifying. Sure. I interviewed Jim Stay. Davis about that special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed Jim Davis about that special. He'll great stories. I wrote an article on Blumhouse about it last year. I think it was part of like, I did like the 10 things that destroyed me as a child. Nice. And that was one of them, but it's that old creepy man telling the story. Yeah, and they were talking about the importance of making that old man like look really gnarled and weird. But he also told me I was the only person who ever came up to him and noticed the one joke he put in every holiday special, which is when Garfield turns to the camera and says, "Nice touch." Oh, he, I thought he did that in all the episodes. He did that. He did that in all of the in all of the holiday specials, and apparently, no one had ever mentioned it to him before. Weird. Uh, see, I oh, thought he continued odd. to do that in like Garfield and Friends. I yeah, thought I it was just like a touch phrase. I think he did it once in a while, yeah. but it was just in the specials I, that it was every single yeah. time. I got the idea that that was just something Jim Davis said. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. something he tried to assign to Garfield because all the characters did. I think that was yeah. the gag. Yeah, nice touch, and then yeah. he gave it to Garfield because Garfield was. Uh, unlike the comics, Garfield wasn't breaking the fourth wall very often in, this, mm-hmm. in the specials, so he wanted to add a joke, and he thought that would be pretty. Yeah, funny. Okay. yeah. It's like the, the word "natch" I got from uh, from Garfield, mm-hmm. which is very very, very an East Coast natch? thing. Yeah, instead, of saying, instead of saying "naturally," you just say "natch." Oh, yeah, I used to say that all the time. I guess I probably got it from Garfield too. I, uh, yeah, I got that from Garfield. I, I don't know any. Never I heard that before, guys. That. Mm-hmm. Write that down. Make a warm up. Natch. Think, yeah. I think I put that in, in articles on Blumhouse. In fact. <laughs> Um, uh, the director uh, also went on to do, like we said, Adventures of Pete yeah. and Pete, but he did uh, the It Takes Two video mm. uh, for, by Rob Bazin. Uh, it yeah. Takes Two to yeah. Make a Thing Go Right. He also did That's, Run's House for Run DMC. Whose really? house? Run's House. Run's House. house. Um, he also did a movie I really want to see starring Peter Stormare called Sperm Boat. 
Sperm, sperm boat. boat. It's about people who work on a boat. The and it's sperm, sperm boat. boat. Soon will that be. That is an actual thing. <laughs> I, just, I love that that exists. I'm, I'm writing it down, guys. Sperm also, boat sperm remake. <laughs> he also directed. He also directed episodes of Wonderfalls, which we will eventually get to and cancel too soon. Um, but yeah, not a lot of the people who worked on this movie really didn't go on. They do a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DP John Inwood is doing the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, so he's he's doing fine. The, the kid um, is now part of like a drumming uh, music enclave of some like sort of New York. Yeah, okay. yeah. The composer uh, didn't do a lot of composing, but he did a lot of orchestration, and he worked on a lot of interesting kind of horror stuff, like uh, uh, Bob Balaban's Parents, mm-hmm. uh, the sequel to. Um, Cast a Deadly Spell Witch Hunt. Oh, yeah. He worked That's on that. the Dennis Hopper one. He did Lost Highway, and he did The City of Lost Children. So you oh, think, wow. Okay. You'd think the score would be scarier, but it's actually just this kind of frolicky, kind of Nickelodeon kind of I don't role. even remember the score. I do remember yeah. that the opening and closing songs were very much in the vein of Nickelodeon, where it was just this kind of kind medallic, poppy, poppy thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, over uh, text that's dripping. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think this film was banned. I think its no. reputation is incorrect. Uh, yeah. I, I honestly think this was just a matter of something being very unpopular and being shelved. Yeah, I, I totally um, buy that Nickelodeon just didn't think much of this. Like, oh, we yeah. aired it. We just didn't think anyone cared. And then a couple of years later, oh, wait, the internet's blowing up because it's yeah. banned. So Here's that banned thing yeah. we had. So it's, it's entirely possible they received no angry letters. They just sort of... They showed it once, nothing came of it, and they put it away. Yeah, and that's where everyone assumed. Yeah. And now it gets rerun almost every holiday. Since 2011, really? it's rerun a couple of times now. Like, yeah. it, it definitely well, makes an appearance during Halloween. Because that's what we were talking about, because we're doing Halloween specials, and most usually we ask, was this show canceled too soon? And what we ask is, does it deserve to be run every single year? And honestly, no. I don't think so. I think this is kind of neat. I'm, I wish it was available. I wish we could buy it and show it to people if it's part of your childhood. But it's not that good. The reputation is the most interesting thing about it. I, I, I wonder, though, if for the people who saw it as a kid, if it doesn't hold something sacred. Because, like, well, I know... That's nostalgia. Uh, yeah. If you see like, it as a kid, it holds something sacred. The, yeah. the, the it, fucking a, woozles have hold something sacred to me. Don't like, you talk about the woozles. Wuzzles. I am thinking about the wuzzles. Wuzzles. Um, I'm thinking about... I was, confu- I was conflagrating have, have, weebles and wuzzles. Have, no, the wuzzles were... They were, like, snow. combo characters where it was, like, I'm a koala butterfly. Yeah, yes. Those were wuzzles. what I was actually thinking... Thinking of my head is popples. Oh, popples! Those were the ones. Actually, my daughter has a popple. But the popples have now been made into a new TV show. There's a new TV. Oh, thank God! It's on Netflix. I heard there's a new Pound Puppies, and that disgusts me. However, as I've said before, the Wuzzles have not yet been resurrected. The new Danger Mouse, really good, and the new Voltron. Awesome. Yeah, I really love. Uh, well, the new My Little Pony. I ended up writing part it's of my so dissertation great. about. It's amazing. Yeah, I've written about. Thank you for letting me write about. And my Equestria Pony Girls. Pony. I absolutely love it. The last Equestria Girls was kind of pushing it. I didn't like the camp one. The camp uh, Revenge of Nevermore. I actually haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. I was thinking about the uh, the Hunger Games one. Which was really oh, forced. Oh, I liked that one. But the, but the, but Rainbow the, Rocks, I can sing Rainbow every Rocks song. Rainbow Rocks, I can sing that entire soundtrack. Oh my god, awesome as I want to be, greatest yeah. song ever. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to leave you two alone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, my daughter, um... You better believe I, I got, got tricks up my sleeve. Yeah. I want to smack you both I so actually hard right have now. the entire Rainbow Rocks soundtrack on my phone. <laughs> yeah. um, because my daughter loves it so much. And I have to confess to listening to Awesome As I Want to Be, which is like their kind of punk rock. 
got the Avril Lavigne well, song. It's just this um, girl powery Austin they saw. Well, well, yeah. I, mean, I also sometimes yell a, battle once in a while. <laughs> just a My husband makes fun of that all the time. And the one where we're gonna say exactly what we're gonna do. Let's have a battle, battle of the bands. <laughs> Watch Rainbow Rocks. Uh, Rainbow well, Rocks my, is quite entertaining. My, my kid is only one and a half, so You'll he's, get he's not there. old enough yeah. yet. So uh, well, give, give us a couple Turn years. Turn we'll Little Pony. It's actually it's a tolerable show, and it's, it's got a lot of really good. It's hitting like a really fifth or sixth season slump. Like there's only been like two or three good episodes okay. in the last couple. Of I don't think seasons. we've my, made it past fourth. My yet. kid is yeah, already is still good. My kid is already a hipster because the only thing he's really responded to is the Mister Men. If you remember the old Mister Men books, Mister Happy, Mister Tickle, Mister Grumpy. There was a British TV series in 2009. Really? Lasted two seasons uh, when they revamped the characters, and uh, it's only available on YouTube. It's not available on video in the States. That's what he's into. The obscure British cartoon. Wow. Then he should watch the original Danger Mouse. Maybe so. Yeah. And the original Duckula. Duckula shows up in the new Danger Mouse as one of the villains, and it weirds me out. Ooh. It's really weird. Count you Duckula. know, my daughter said the most profound thing about Scooby-Doo tonight. Um, just before you guys got here, we were watching Scooby-Doo, and she was, because um, she tends not to be scared of stuff, and she was telling me about how Scooby-Doo doesn't scare her, because, and this is in the vintage Scooby-Doo that she watches, Scooby-Doo isn't scary because no one's ever real. That's And I was suddenly like, I was like, oh my god, you're right. You know? There's not a single freaking real monster in the show. And Sco- she does Sco- like Sco- she does like Sco- mystery Sco- ink is, where yeah, they it's, do it's get a, real, but um Scooby-Doo yeah. was the great secular story it, of empir- our time. Was it the an empiricist? <laughs> yeah. The whole point is everything that scares you is actually just a crooked rich white guy. Yeah. That's and that's a good lesson. And, <laughs> I, and it wasn't until I read like so the new, the new comic cro- book about it so which was crooked rich white guys aren't real. Is that yeah. what you're no, saying? No, I'm just, no, I'm saying though that's the only reality. They Those dress up monsters. like ghosts in order to steal the pirate gold. That's what they do. That's yeah. what they do. Or that's run for president. Do. But like, but like <laughs> after after around the time that like Shaggy got turned into a werewolf so he could car race Dracula Mm -hmm. they just abandoned that and it really hurt the show for a long time, but I realize now you know that the show always sucked. It did. No, no, no it, it, did. Had a, it had a point. It, it had a point once. And I got to say, Mystery Inc. really kicked ass. I yeah. loved that series. I highly recommend it. It's very self-aware, and it's definitely for older. Um, it's definitely for older teens and horror fans. Like, there's a scene where um, one of the characters gets a knock at the door, and he opens it up. He's playing with this box that he found at one of the crime scenes. It's like a puzzle box, oh, and he God. opens it up, and you see like a. Pinhead S character standing there, and the That's guy funny. throws the box at him, and is like, "I don't have time for you trick or treaters." <laughs> the door, and so um, there's a lo- like Lovecraft is actually a character in That's mystery. Inc. Um, Cthulhu yeah. enters the scene. It's That's really fun. it's fun. Dude, that's cool. But what was weird is I was always really anti this like new generation of Scooby Doo because I grew up with the secular one, which I thought served a viable function. It's like we we teach kids peekaboo to teach them that when you we'll can't see back, us, yeah. we're still here. You know, it's a valuable lesson. You need to understand it to understand how reality works. Scooby-Doo kind of served the same thing. But I realize now the whole actual monster version of Scooby-Doo where monsters are real is most Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo's been around for about 40 years. About 30 years of that monsters have been real. You're right. And yeah. We do not have the right to admit. It's like it's like if we were mad that Batman doesn't use guns because in the original twelve issues he did. Mm. That's when that's what we're being pissy well, about I'm, for Scooby Doo. I'm still upset about Batman. That he's not using. <laughs> he should use way more guns. He all the, he, well, he all does now in Zack Snyder's film. 
That's true. He, uses he, used, he killed a lot of people in that movie, so it's great. He uses That's gu- why you liked that movie. He, he even uses gu- yeah, because I, I loved it so much. He even uses guns in the ones where he says he doesn't use guns. That's true. Like I don't use guns except for these giant cannons on my car. <laughs> Good times. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, crime line. Thank you for uh, thank, thank you, you guys for having me back on. Where this was awesome. We, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on the Twitter at, at @rebeccamckendry.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a couple of accounts, so <laughs> pick one. <laughs> Just pick one. It's fine. Whatever. And um, Blumhouse.com is yeah. where all of my my writing and rantings lie. And please also check out um, the podcast I co-host, Shockwaves, on Blumhouse. Yeah. Oh, and Bibbs has one of our fine stickers on his laptop. So I can advertise it. Yeah. I'd, I'd put one on my bike if I had one. Uh, awesome. Um, and uh, we're on Twitter at BMoviesPodcast because Whitney hasn't figured out how to unlock the cancel too soon. It's because of the way Twitter works. I know. Darling. I just choose to it's, blame you. You, you, for, you can't for, put it on me. I am blaming you. You don't remember the password. If you'd written down the password, you wouldn't have this problem. This is true. Anyway, uh, so we're at B-Movies Podcast right now. You can email us with suggestions for cancel too soon, any questions, whatever you might have. Uh, that's bmoviespodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Um, what are we doing next week, William? Next week, we were going to be doing Werewolf, which was basically the Incredible Hulk in the 1980s, but the protagonist was a werewolf. But it's 29 episodes in one season, and I'm getting married, and we had to scale it back a bit. So we're doing, <laughs> a little too ambitious. So we're doing know, Nightmare Cafe. We've talked about Werewolf on our on Shockwaves, um, yeah. on our prior show, Killer POV, before, yeah. um, because Elric and Rob both absolutely loved the show. I've I'm never seen this, it. I'm going to say this right now. They're wrong to love it. <laughs> I, got, I got six episodes in and I was just like, this is like depressed Tony Scott directed every episode. Ugh. It's like really just hard to yeah, get so, Maybe so we, it gets better around episode 28. We shifted to Nightmare Cafe, which is about a traveling cafe. Yeah. The whole cafe moves around the country and the yeah. people who go live there uh, solve mysteries. Basically, did, did you see the uh, season finale of Doctor Who this last year? This is what they ripped off. Yeah. Uh, so and, and yeah. there, and uh, after that, it's still going to be before Halloween. So we're going to be doing one more Halloween special. What are we going to do? You'll have to find out later. Oh, we, we can't say now. We're not. No, screw it. All right. All right. Let him wait. Let him wait. Uh, but also, if you're listening to the B Movies podcast, again, we have an hour and a half with Don Coscarelli doing a retrospective of the whole Phantasm franchise. That's still available. Uh, as of this week, we have Jim Hosking trying to explain what the hell is going on with the Greasy Strangler. And also it's a this great week, uh, we are doing our Halloween horrorthon, reviewing every horror film and. An entire franchise. This week it's Wishmaster, mm-hmm. which I'm very much looking forward to discussing with Whitney because he hasn't seen them all. Yeah, because uh, I think it's one of the more underrated horror franchises. So that'll be a lot of fun well, to talk about. At least one is good, like in most horror franchises. Yeah. And uh, how are we going to close off on this week's episode, Whitney? Um, how did the How did Nickelodeon end their shows? Just with a sort of a splat. Campy music Campy and music. some yeah. like drippy letters. Yeah. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah.